if you think you're ever going to be a homeowner, stop today and get pre-approved. Maybe it takes an hour or two of your time, but totally worth doing just so you know where you're at. So if you need to make some improvements, you can tweak those things along the way for when you are ready. You're listening to the Expertish Podcast. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Spotify and tell Jay what you thought about this episode. Expertish is where you can learn how to invest from those who have, those who are, and have some fun along the way. Are you ready to start? All right. Today, I want to thank Hennish Pulikol for coming and talking to us a little bit about some of his business and how he's making people a lot of money here in San Diego. Thanks for coming today. Thanks for having me, Jay. Absolutely. Hennish, actually, not just his company, what they do in construction, also residential real estate as well, right? Yes. And also kind of a consultant that a lot of us reach out to on some of these things when it comes to like the building, construction, permits and things like that. So just a good source of knowledge for other realtors in our area, does real estate himself, but very sharing of information and just a great resource for us. So I I appreciate you coming and talking to us today. You know, this is uh, all exciting stuff for me. So anytime I can be helpful to someone, uh, it turns out to be a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate that that thought process too. And it is true. It, it really seems that it always comes back, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just give it away and then uh, people will call you back. I mean, occasionally there might be some loss along the way, but whatever. I mean, overall, I think the net positive outweighs the net negative. Yeah, I believe the same thing. So yeah, like let's just start first with a little bit of the business stuff and just tell us really the outline of what your company does. Okay, sure. Um, you know, Cal Home Co is my company. It's kind of short for the California Home Company, but we basically go by Cal Home Co now. It started off as a company where we were flipping houses, but it grew into, I've got a great partner on construction and he's now leading our construction company. So I have a separate S Corp, also called Cal Home Co Construction uh, as a separate company, but helping people remodel. And now the hot topic is ADUs, right? right? Accessory dwelling units, which are frequently called guest houses or casitas or granny flats. And that's a hot topic here in California now. It is, it's huge, isn't it? And it's a huge way for people to add some uh, income in their pocket. You know, I heard someone say best this way. It's like, it's like getting free land and being able to build something. That's that, that is true. And, that and is so true. instead of investing out of state and trying to think you can make money in Tennessee or Arizona, just start in your backyard or above your garage, because that's where we're building these things. Right, for sure. And, and I know you've given me this breakdown a couple of times and it, it's just phenomenal when you're not paying again for the land the cost of what you're building is, is it just seems so nominal compared to that. Well, there's, you know, I'm glad, but you think that there's a lot of pushback sometimes like, oh, I can't believe it costs X. But I was like, well, the thing is like, doesn't real estate trade in your neighborhood at X plus 200? Yeah. Or more? Exactly. Well, so if the X is $200 less than what it trades for, isn't that a good value just on the equity alone that you're creating? Right. And so what I find is that and I've learned this lesson a while ago is that if people don't agree with me, it's maybe because I'm not explaining it the proper way. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) So so if you don't, if you don't agree that building an ADU is probably one of the best investments that you could make in your life, then I've done a bad job explaining it. Right. That's not my fault at that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, and we, we mentioned this, I I had the opportunity and privilege to be on Hennish's podcast. What last week, last week, I believe. And one of the things that came up was uh, extreme ownership. And we talked a little bit about that, but that's the kind of a key right there, isn't it? Just, Hey, if, if, if someone's not understanding that I'm not explaining, it's not that they're not getting it. That's I'm not getting it across. Exactly. Right. I mean, so it's, it's not a one-step process. That's what makes it complicated. Right. Right. Investing shouldn't be complicated, but it is more than one step. Sure. It's not one plus one equals two. It's a little bit more complicated than that. So once I can get you through four or five steps, 
right. then it should be compelling. So it's more right. of a story problem mm-hmm. than, <laughs> than just a, hey, what's the equation? Right. Right. Well, also something that a lot of people, when, when they're looking at properties, if I bring this up to, you know, cause some people are looking and they're thinking about uh, future uh, resale or, you know, how to make sure they get the value back. You know, it, we do get a little sticker shock here when people move from somewhere else, right? We, we face a little sticker shock. And when I sometimes bring this up like an ADU or, you know, the opportunity to add that rental income or just add that appreciation or add that value to their home. One of the things that sometimes comes up is the zoning and, you know, the concerns of that. And I, I can see why, but again, that's something that when you broke it down to us a couple of weeks ago, when you helped us out with some things and it makes a lot more sense because California right now, we're definitely in a housing shortage, right? So Correct. they want people to provide the housing for them. Correct. Yeah. I have a, a, a small two bedroom ADU behind my house mm-hmm. and it rents at a super premium and it shouldn't rent it that much, mm-hmm. but it's only because there's no housing. So when, when potential renters call me, which, which is two to three a day saying, Hey, can we get your place when it's available in October, two months from now? Right. And when I'm talking to them, they're like, there's nothing else available. We can't find anything. Yeah. You know, and, and, um, and that's tough because that shouldn't be the case No. Right. And we shouldn't have to pay the type of rents that people are paying for someone to live here, at least until they're ready to buy. And right. I had that same conversation with the potential renter. He's like, well, I want to rent for a year or more. I was like, how about this? I'll put you on a three to six month lease. Yeah. I'll let you break it early because if you can afford to pay how much you're about to pay me for rent, you I'm going to help you buy a place. Yeah. I'm going to help fair. you buy. And he's like, oh, I didn't think about that, but he was coming from the Bay area Yeah, where uh, an average condo costs at least a million bucks. Right. Whereas right. you could actually buy a condo in PV for $500,000. Right. Yeah. Those are like priceless little gifts to us. When someone comes from the Bay area that uh, we were talking about for <laughs> Andrew, who's been on one of the episodes before he moved down from the Bay area and I wasn't even thinking about that when I got introduced to him and he was talking about what he wanted and everything. So it was kind of talking price. I'm like, okay, yeah, we can definitely find that. It's going to probably be in this range though, for, for the quality that you're looking for. And not really registering with me that he just had moved from the Bay area. He's like, oh, that's awesome. I'm like, oh my God, it's like my dream client now. Like yeah. wasn't scared of that and stuff. And then I was like, oh, that's right. You came from. It's always relative. Yeah, it Everything is. Everything is. And it so, is. you know, when you said that, yeah, it can be sticker shock. Well, it depends where you come from. Exactly, <laughs> right? There's just not a lot of places more expensive. So. True, yeah. Anything West Coast, anything East Coast, mm-hmm. a lot of places international. Right. Right, a lot of international cities that's are true. very expensive. That's true. And uh, so when people come in from other countries, like, oh yeah, no problem, a million and a half for that, no problem. Right. No. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you're, and we're kind of thinking, okay, that's uh, perfect. Thank you. For, yeah. <laughs> thanks for coming to me. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty awesome too. You know, I grew up in originally I'm from Virginia, and then I was in Washington with the Navy for a while, Florida. So definitely different prices. Well, the DC area is kind of expensive, right? No, Washington State. Oh, Washington okay. State. Yeah, yeah, up on the coast. So right. no, that was. Uh, yeah. You know, you get some really cool property for a lot less and so even even for mine when you first bought it was like i know i needed to do it but it was when i first bought here but it still was like oh my gosh like and i'm still thinking in my head of what i would have gotten at home or something like that and once you get through it and then you see what you get back in return then you're you're like that fear's gone forever then yeah you, then you're just like how can i get more yeah. How quickly can I, can I reinvest? Right. Yes. Yeah, true. Right. I mean, once you understand it and then it, it is kind of a mindset thing. It is very much so. Cause it's like the numbers can be scary. Mm-hmm. 
But then once you can get into the mindset of, yeah, I can do this and here's how, right. but you need proper advisors like yourself sure. or your mortgage person, mm -hmm. someone that can walk you through it and explain why this makes sense. Right, right, right. And that's the conversation I have to have on a regular basis. Even with my own brother, he might listen to the show, who knows? <laughs> He's like, ah, I'm not going to be ready to buy for another six months or a year. I was like, just get pre-approved. Right. Just do it so we know. So right. that when you are ready in six months or a year, you know, we could tweak some things or improve some things so you can get a better credit score or right. purchase more if you need to. Sure enough, a week later, he's like, I found a house. I want to buy this one. I was like, cool. I got to get you pre-approved. That's right. going to take you a week. <laughs> sure enough, you lost that property, right? right. I was like, That's what I told you to get pre-approved just so you know. Yeah. Because it doesn't hurt you. Right. So just get it done now, even if you're not ready for mm -hmm. six months in a year. So uh, that's always the advice. And hopefully you probably share the same thing with anyone that's ever thinking of ever buying a house. Mm -hmm. If you think you're ever going to be a homeowner, stop today, yeah. get pre-approved, figure out where you're at. So if you need to make some improvements, you can tweak those things along the way for when you are mm -hmm. ready. But if you find yourself, you are ready and you find the perfect property tomorrow, right? let's do it. You know, we can do it now. Yeah. And, and I find too, <clears throat> like I have some friends of mine who have come forward and like, yeah, I, I think I will be ready in say a year, maybe 18 months. This is my, you know, kind of my plan in my head. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let me just you to a couple of people, get pre-qualified and see where you stand now. That way, you know where you'll be then. Kind of a similar thing, just to get that in their head to see really where they are, because they may be a lot further along than they thought, or they may have more work to do than they thought to be Might able to well get what that. they want. A hundred percent. And then people just are like, ah, there's no use doing it now because I know I need to get here, here. But the other thing that I find is it's kind of like having that goal in front of you. Once you start a process and then someone else can lay out that plan. And to your point of maybe there's some things, some little small tweaks that can make you get a better rate, which can save you a ton of money over time, right? Absolutely. So if someone lays that plan out for you, I think people are a lot more likely to follow it. I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I'm going to buy in like a year. I'm going to do this or that. But when they don't have that plan or they don't have a financial plan to get to a certain goal, usually you're going to spend it somewhere else. I know, right? And so that's yeah. exactly right. Me do included. it now. Yeah, <laughs> do it now. And now you know, put away $100 a month. Right. That could help you, whatever it is. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's sage advice that people don't seem to want to take. No, no. And I think back sometimes, uh, you know how we all say, I wish someone had told me this when I was younger or something. We're so, yeah, we're telling you now. And I look back and I go, I wish someone would have told me some of these things. And then every once in a while, I, something will uh, trigger in my memory. Like, wait, some of these things, I believe some people probably told me and I totally blew off. Of course, you know, when you're in your 20s or something, <laughs> yeah. like, you don't think that anyone else is right. Exactly. That's part of it. It's like, I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I think I went to college. Yeah. You know, and you think these things, but it's just not the case. And so now, you know, it's interesting as you get older, I'm now actively seeking advice from people on all spectrums. 100%. I'm humble enough to know that I don't know everything. Right. Right. And I'm right. happy to take advice from someone. It might be bad advice, but at least I'm getting a different perspective. <laughs> exactly. Most times it's pretty good advice. Right. You know, and so I'm, I'm listening to it and then I can make that decision mm -hmm. later of whether it applies or not. Right. But if when it's something as simple as pre-qualifying, which doesn't impact you, financially, maybe it takes an hour or two of your time, Yeah, but totally worth doing. Yeah. Just that, so you know where you're at. It's, that it's that like, time could be over a week too, an hour or two over a week to yeah. send some paperwork. It's like if you're on a diet, like you've got to step on the scale. Right. See where you're at. Because <laughs> exactly. you know where you need to go to. That's the worst part, right? <laughs> the the starting one. And I think it's probably like that. People are probably scared to step on the scale. Like, I don't want to know that I'm that many pounds. See, I'm the opposite. What I want to do is I want to have a huge weekend, feasting, <laughs> drinking, and then, then step on and then like, all right, man, I just feel, give myself that 
that boost of motivation, like a week later, like yeah. then don't drink for a week, eat healthy for a week. And you're like, wow, look at all that. Yeah. You know, after that though, it kind of blows because you're going to hit that plateau yeah, already. You know, you're, you're at that one pound a week, best case. Type yeah. Scenario. Yeah. Once you sweat out all your booze and food from that weekend, <laughs> but hey, whatever gets me through the first week. Right? Yeah, it's true. But that's that, that's that jolt of that motivation is that reassurance that you're on the right track. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's sometimes that's all it takes, but that's all it takes in investing too. Right. Any little game. Yeah. Get your toes wet and get it in there. You get, you lock something up and next thing you know, you get some cash flow or you mm -hmm. get that tax benefit or whatever it's going to be. I mean, it can be addictive and it is for a lot of people. Yeah. That's what happened to me. Now it's just like, when can I get the next, <laughs> when can I get the next? Yeah. And it's a, it's a healthy fix to have. No, it is. It yeah. actually, I, I will agree with that because it is when money starts coming into your account that you didn't, I mean, by say, when I say didn't have to work for realistically doing a little bit of research, asking a few questions and leveraging what you already have. Yeah. And, and they call it different things. You know, when you, when you invest in properties and you're able to rent it out or earn revenue mm -hmm. from it, they call it hacking. Right. 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 As, as if it's some kind of like devious, yeah, some uh, kind of black new thing. market type <laughs> thing, but it's not, you know, right. like it's totally legal. Like I'm now house hacking my second unit at my property. Right. And that pays for two thirds of my housing costs. Right. Even though my primary house is 50% bigger than my rental property. Yeah. And so now you're living in Pacific Beach, which if anyone who's not in San Diego is not an inexpensive place. You know, that's coastal property, prime value. True, everything's $700 a foot at, yeah. at the minimum. Right? right. So you can just do that math and you know that everything's $700 a foot. And you're uh, living in it for a third. <clears throat> and, for a third. And, uh, yeah, my net housing cost is about $2,000 a month. That's insane. Because my, my rental unit, which is mm -hmm. 875 square feet, pays most of my mortgage. Right, right. And did you, you built that yourself, right? It, it was already built. It was already? It was already built. And I just came through and renovated just it. Just made it nicer. And made it nicer. Mm -hmm. uh, and, then, and then furnished it and, you know, commands a premium now. That's, I mean, yeah, just the smart way to go. Yeah, I mean, there's demand for it. And so... Well, that's what we we're kind of here to talk about, right? It's yeah. these ADUs, right? Now, the fact is, is that almost every single family property in the state of California now qualifies to have a legal, rentable, separate unit that you mm -hmm. can put on your property. Whether you convert your garage or you add it in the backyard or in a unit above the garage, mm -hmm. can have its own entrance, its own kitchen, its own bathroom, can have its own address so they right. get their own mail. And now you can rent it out to someone else or you can give it to your family member. Right. If rent you want it, out. if rent you want it out. rent it out is a better way, but we're, <laughs> we're finding most of our clients are 50, 50. Yeah. Half give it to their family below market rate or at no rate. Right. Because right. Now they have their own space for mom and dad or That's for your too. adult kids. Yeah. A little separation. Yep. And then, uh, you, you can write some of that off, right? There's tax benefits a lot along with that. Right. And, right. And, uh, and appropriately using the tax benefits can be huge. Right. And so that's a huge thing, but yeah, having these second units, that the fact that you can build them on everything is huge, right? Mm -hmm. This morning I got a call from a, a woman who had bought uh, a property. The garage was hastily converted, probably illegally, into a second unit. Right. So she called me up and said, hey, let's get this permitted properly, make sure it's done right into code, and let's add an extra ADU, which mm -hmm. now you can do. Right. Which now you can have a single family house, you can convert the garage, and add another detached structure that you three can rent. Three rental you potentials. Three rental units out of a single family. Right. And if anyone's understanding what cap rates are, it's capitalization rates mm -hmm. of this. It's the effective rate of putting your capital to work. It can be 12% or more. Right. Right. And so if you look at what you can make in a mutual fund or on a bank account or playing risky stocks or trying to do Bitcoin or something like right. that, like 12% 
Yeah. It's a really strong return. Oh, it's ridiculous. And, and I'll tell you, like my form of diversification now is don't buy more than two houses on one street. That's how I diversify right now. But, but for, can you, can you give just a, like a, you know, for people that maybe you're listening, don't really understand what cap rate is. They've heard it. Can you just give it like a simple breakdown? Yeah. I mean, it's basically the amount of cash you put towards a property as the denominator at the bottom line of the, of the equation. And the top line is how much cash you earned on it. Right. So just a simple calculation is if you made $10,000 net and you put $100,000 towards it, it's 10 over 100,000, that's a 10% cap rate. Right. So it's it's equivalent to saying if you put $100,000 in the bank <laughs> and you got a 1% return, you'd make yeah. $1,000 that year. Right. But I'm saying if you put that $100,000 towards building an ADU, mm -hmm. even net of your financing costs and your holding costs, you're going to be making at least a 12% return, which means you're making at least $12,000 that year right. net of all your other expenses. Right. And that just doesn't happen in other things. It not, doesn't not, on, not on a steady flow, not on a you know, year after year. Yeah. You might have a good year where you might make 15% one year with stocks and the next year you might make negative 10%. Right. And now, right. now you're at a net five over two years. Yeah. But it's consistently, we know that people need places to live. Mm -hmm. And in, in a good city like San Diego, which isn't going anywhere. Right. People yeah. are going to keep paying that rent. People right. are keep moving here. Yeah. yeah. Beaches aren't leaving. Military bases aren't leaving. The weather isn't leaving. Qualcomm's that not leaving anytime yeah. soon. You know? Yeah. yeah. The weather's not, not that quickly. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> right. We got a heat wave right now, but right. now we have AC and solar on all these properties. That's a big point too, right? On the new construction stuff, like as of 2020. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everything, anything new being built this year detached mm -hmm. has to have a solar system on it. Okay. Um, if it's attached to your property, it does not. Gotcha. Now, what, now, how does ADU play into that? Does ADU count as attached or unattached? And pardon the noise here a second, but are we going to give us another drink? Yeah, for sure. Both of them are options. Attached is, is easiest done as like a converted garage mm -hmm. or a covered patio that was done properly. Or we pour some new foundation and do an add-on, right? You, okay. can, you can even take an existing bedroom and add an exterior door to a bedroom and have that as a separate rentable unit. So perfect for like a grad student or a college student that just needs a room, yeah. wants a place to stay. They spend all their time at university or out with their friends. They don't need a place to entertain or yeah. just anything, right? But you can rent it out for $1,000 a month. It's funny that you said add the door. A friend of mine did that recently. He used to rent a room. Well, he still does, but he rented a room Airbnb throughout the year. And with COVID stuff, you know, a different, you get different reactions. Some people are worried. Some people aren't. People still need to come here for different reasons. So he added a door, an exterior door. And, you know, basically, so, I mean, there's still some access, but people basically have that, like, you know, a, a kitchenette-ish type deal only have a bathroom and this door and essentially made just a separate room, which now people love because they don't have to one worry if they don't care about COVID, they don't have to worry about being polite or inter, you know, intermixing with someone else. And at the same time, they don't, if they are worried about that, then they have their own isolated place. So it's just been going now. And he just, just by adding a door. Yeah, absolutely. You can add a door and then you can do like hotel locks on your mm -hmm. hall door. Right? Yeah. So if you don't both unlock it, you can't have access to your room and, and right. vice versa. So there's so many w different ways to to take advantage of this. Should we be commenting on, on the uh, beverages at all? Yeah, let's. I, I want to get your view on the Habiki, the Japanese harmony. It was a lot more peaty and smoky than I expected from a Japanese. Right. Because it can't be considered scotch. It's Japanese whiskey. Correct. Right. Correct. But it tasted like they imported peat from Scotland. Mm -hmm and cooked the whiskey in that because you could taste the peatiness in it, right, right. which was a, a, a highly Scotland-type feel. This is a lot more floral and, and, flavor, and a fruity flavor, right. which is surprising in a, in a whiskey. 
yeah. uh, to have that. And it doesn't have that same smokiness. And this is the Blanton. Right? Yeah, this is the Blanton's. And, and where is this from? Asian, yeah, this is, it's from Kentucky, but this is the Asian release. So it was made to release in Asia. Wow. And this is like a, a marked up label showing the exact dates, which warehouse yeah. and batch number. And so we know exactly where this came from. Yeah. Uh, so they're saying it's the finest bottle of whiskey ever produced. I mean, it does have, yeah, it does have a bouquet and character. I mean, it's very like wine-like in its bouquet. And it's very yeah. drinkable, right? It's yeah, got that smoothness, but it just has like a little depth, mm. a little depth to flavor. Yeah. The Habaki, could, because it's got so much peat and smokiness mm -hmm. to it, it gives you chills. Right. And, and if you're not a, a whiskey drinker, that's the kind of stuff that people might like gasp about. Right. If you're for not sure. a, a drinker, right? If you're like a rookie drinker, like, holy cow, that's a strong. Mm -hmm. uh, but now you just appreciate it that at our yeah. age, it's a, like a, that's the right flavor it is. of a whiskey. And they do have another Hibiki that's a little bit more, I would say softer, a little bit more just simple drinkable, you know, like an everyday drinking for if someone who's not really a whiskey drinker, yeah, it's super, uh, you know, just that smooth, nice taste. But I like having some kind of a little bit of depth and yeah. all the different depths, just that's what makes it kind of fun. You get the complexity to it. You could tell that someone thought about this and distilled it properly. It's right. it's, it's interesting when people tell me that they're going to have a distillery or, or brew their own, you know, or yeah. cook their own whiskey. This can't be an easy process. Right. I mean, people do whiskey, you know, beers out of their fridge or yeah. the garage, but um, whiskey seems a little bit more complicated. So I have appreciation for it. And that's why bottles of whiskey cost a lot more than a bottle of beer. It, it, it does. It does. And, and I, man, and I got to give credit, I will give some credit to people doing um, some of these beers in the garage. Cause I've had some where, where I've kind of been blown away. I'm like yeah. you, you did this in your garage. That's phenomenal. But yeah, for sure. It's a little bit different. And uh, I've definitely grown a huge appreciation for, for the whiskeys, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. You have quite the collection. I'm yep. looking forward well, to it. Well, this is the whole reason I started a podcast was an excuse to drink whiskey with people. So <laughs> that way it's just kind of business, right? And then I don't have to feel bad about having whiskey in the middle of the afternoon. I'm assuming you can write this off at this point. Shit, I should have, I should have, I should have been doing that. And we've got the evidence. That's that true. That's true. Part of the social business podcasting lubricant. That That's a good point. And now I, oh man, I'm going to increase that collection now. That's a good, that's a great <laughs> that's, idea. I, I had the same conversation with my CPA just yesterday. I was like, wait a second. I bought that XYZ supplies of alcohol mm -hmm. because of business. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this isn't a non-meal, non-employee type thing. This right. is exactly for business development. That's that's phenomenal. You know, that's there's a lot we can... Well, I will say one of the reasons you can see like these are clamps to the uh, table, the microphones and stuff. So everything that I have here is portable. Yeah. Because when COVID is done, I will... Anyone I can interview anywhere else, I'm going. Yep. And then I can write off my travel trips to wherever, you know, so that's the way to do so it. So I'll be looking for people to interview everywhere, you know, especially tropical, nice places. <sighs> I'm jealous. Yeah. I, I had to do a staycation over at Paradise Point. One, I wanted to experience Paradise Point as mm -hmm. it is, and it's a beautiful property. Can you explain if someone doesn't know a Paradise Point is gorgeous? Well, Paradise Point is in the heart of Mission Bay, which is a man-made swamp turned into the world's largest aquatic playground man-made it's the largest playground is a perfect word yeah and it's uh it's an island and a quarter of it is dedicated to this resort and the three other three-fourths of it is a public park mm -hmm. so the resort is private kind of private and but it's got beach access and it's got pools and it's got lagoon it's like a, a bird wildlife sanctuary right there's like a beautiful bird ponds and ducks and kois and cranes and 
Um, there's a nice viewing tower and there's lots of pools and bars that you can just hang out. So I was there with my family and kids just to escape the heat wave because I don't have a pool at my right. house. My backyard is a, a guest house. <laughs> right. And, and so I didn't, didn't have the pool. But as soon as my kids are proficient swimmers, the ocean's close by. So that's good. Right. But until then, you know, we went to the resort for right. the weekend just so you can hop in the pool and splash around a little bit. Uh, and next year, it's turning into Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. Oh, I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. It's it's bought. They have the notice of pending license change already. So starting, I think in January or something, they're going to start renovating it. Okay. To turn this place into Margaritaville. That's going to be insane too. What? That's that's crazy. That's so interesting. So I'm wondering if it's going to be as kid-friendly because the, the current resort is very kid-friendly. It, it is, it is. Four out of five of the pools are kid-friendly and there's one adult mm -hmm. pool. But I would think if I was going to make this in Margaritaville, at least half the pools would be shift adults. Yeah, adult. Because right, right now it's very much a... Um, I mean, they do a lot of things there, a lot of weddings. They do a lot of like, you know, uh, events, other events, events yeah. and stuff like that. So it is a very family, kid-friendly place, but. And it's awesome because, you know, if you if you ever get out in the boat on Mission Bay, that's like one of the places you can pull up and dock. Right. Step up to the bar at Barefoot Bar and Grill, mm -hmm. get a drink, get a snack. And Barefoot Bar and Grill is different than it was say 20 years ago too. That's true. It's a, it's a nice place. But it's place. still like, it's actually probably a little bit more just family-friendly now too. It, it is, yeah. There, yeah, I mean it's it's mild. I mean they sometimes have a live band playing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, steel drums, a tropical vibe. The food's good too, though. The food is good. The drinks are good. Um, it's a beautiful venue. So yeah. when you're waiting 15 minutes for that first beer, it's totally worth it. Yeah, it, <laughs> it is. Right. <laughs> so that's when you learn after the second when your second time there, you just go ahead and order two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And then uh, yeah, San Diego lessons. Great, great. Yeah, this is the insider tips that you <laughs> right? Because Paradise Point is a great place to pull up and mm -hmm. uh, and park for 30 minutes, even if you're paying for the boat. Because yeah, I, I don't own a boat, but I rent boats often. Right. Uh, Smart. That's, that's a cheaper way. Otherwise, yeah. when I was single, I had friends with boats and that was right. easier. Yeah, I had a boat before, and now I would go. I go back to renting as well. Well, this is this is a podcast about smart investing. And yeah, boats right. Are not. But we learn things from our bad investments, right? <laughs> boats are not a smart investment. That's, well, that's at, the, at the time, though, I lived uh, in South Mission Beach, and we, we were like one house off the bay, and so we would put it in. And I bought it with a friend, and we would uh, just put it in on Friday and just take it out like Sunday evening. So anchor we could anchor it right behind it. our house. You know, yeah. so you wake up in the morning, we would like swim out and then you could go wakeboard while the water's still chill. That's funny. I would do the same thing with one around. of my buddies. We had the same thing for years. Yeah. A cheap boat he bought, and, but you know, every month we'd have to, you know, bust out another thousand right. for some kind of repair. Right. And yep. uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you want to talk about bad investment. That was our idea. Like, let's go, let's go get a starter boat, get something, you know, used boat or something small just to, be able to take out on the water and I go with my friend and we're just looking, we start looking at those and we're like, let's what we're going to look. And then we're going to go to dinner. And we end up in this, uh, one of the dealerships and we're in the showroom and we just stay, both climb in different boats in the showroom. Right. Which is a bad, that's just a bad call, bad call. Just don't even get in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I I'm seeing, looking at this one and I was like, dude, there's 15 cup holders. <laughs> and he comes, runs over, he's like, okay, cool. And then we went from, we're going to get this like, uh, you know, starter boat to, hey, can we get this in next year's color scheme so no one else has it to, so then we end up with like a custom boat, 15 boat, you know, whatever, spending oh, no. way, way, you know, spending like an ADU worth of money for a boat. But uh, yeah, this is again, why I have to keep that, like 
like we were talking about, I have to have my goals so I stay on track or else I'll get sucked. That's why you get that pre-approval. So they, they, your loan officer tells you, please do not buy a boat. Right? Don't well, buy a boat. Well, that <laughs> saved me during uh, the beginning of COVID because I was in escrow on the new construction. So as you know, like that's, uh, you know, it was a three and a half month escrow. So I couldn't really spend, so I couldn't sit here online and go, okay, I'm, I'm stuck home on COVID. Let's just buy, I don't know, whatever you can buy online, you know? So I had to like keep in check. So it's probably a good thing there too. We need obstacles sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I remember years ago when I was in a sales position at a company, my manager would call me up once in a while say, what are you doing? You need some help. Could you get an extra girlfriend? Could you buy a boat? <laughs> Could you do something else? I need you to have some incentive to do more sales because I was already the top salesperson. Right. He's like, I need you to have some more expenses so you can sell more. So he was trying to convince like, thanks, me to buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was trying to convince me to buy a boat so I'd have more expenses mm -hmm. so I'd work harder. And uh, that's not a bad plan. That's uh, on the on the on the on the management on side, the management, that's not a bad plan. He didn't sell it so good. He uh, could have sold it a little bit better. And then uh and then I would have thought about it. Right, right, right. But at that time I was, you know, I was renting boats every right, weekend. Right. And that seemed like a much better deal. It kind of is. If and you, that's what I'm doing. I, I just rented a boat on, on the 30th Yeah, for four hours, pontoon boat. I can take mm -hmm. 10 friends out with me and mm -hmm. float around a little bit. It's really all you want to do, right? Yeah. Float around, blast some yeah. music, jump in and out of the boat a little bit and uh, leave with the buzz and then everyone's happy. Everybody's happy. Yeah, and it is different too, I feel like here versus like where, where I grew up, you know, when I grew up at home, people going to lakes and stuff, there's a lot less maintenance, a lot less other things going the on there. Water. Yeah. So if you have a family, you're in a place with a lake and stuff. So I get it. If you're like, have a lake house, you live on a lake or something like that, totally different than having to take it in and out of the bay because you can't leave it in there so long. The salt water flushes and all the maintenance that comes from that. It's, oh there's God. just so much. Barnacles, <laughs> yes. seaweed, rust, right? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. Where were you? Where were you when I bought my boat, man? You could have told me to rent and that would just, I, I might have another house now. <laughs> yeah. kind of, I'm kind of going to shift this blame to you. You know, now, now they have these different ways you can monetize your assets, right? Mm -hmm. Airbnb is for your house or mm -hmm. your extra bedroom. Um, I've been using PeerSpace and LiquidSpace I've, to monetize my office. I've used PeerSpace before for uh, to do video uh, for a little studio, there you which go. is great. So yeah, just this morning I had an instant book of my office. Mm -hmm. uh, someone booked it through LiquidSpace so she could do an interview at my office space. Ooh, I might have to like check out your PeerSpace because because yeah. you have a gorgeous office. Yeah, we have a cool spot, and and that would literally I would I would office hack my spot, and mm -hmm. I generated half of my lease income. That's amazing. Uh, on any given month prior to COVID. Yeah. Because three to four times a week, I would rent out my space after business hours. Right. Or my conference room, which I only used five or six hours. What are you doing after business or tennis? Uh, what kind of porn are they shooting in your uh, office, buddy? You know, it's it's incredible. A lot of people did request that. Yeah. Uh, no, we'd, we'd I have, joke because I've heard it before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'd, have, we'd have to push back uh, just because I didn't want my image on that. And not, yeah. not that I'm against it, but at the same point. Hey, your family. I try to keep a family friendly. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, but we did have uh, uh, video shoots, music video shoots, mm -hmm. photo shoots, um, uh, GMAT test prep classes. Oh, wow. That's uh, cool. um, you know, uh, baby showers, uh, anniversary parties. We had a guy that did his engagement at, at our office and he set up a bunch of booths oh, nice. with mementos and visuals from all of the places that he had traveled with his fiance, had a film crew ready, and he walked her around our office with, at all these different stands and finished with the proposal at my office. That's pretty it cool. It was like a great venue to do this at, which, which is not, it's a, it's a good like pseudo man cave slash office. Pseudo. That thing is like... <laughs> 
man, when I saw your office, I was kind of, I had office envy. <laughs> um, I try to make it fun. You know, we only live once. Yeah, that's true. And that's so true. I'm spending 40 plus hours a week there. Mm-hmm. Let me have a place to sh- shoot at darts, play some pool, play some ping pong. Yeah. Have a bar. Uh, and have, have people come through because why wouldn't I have my space be mixed use space? Why should Absolutely. it only be 40 hours a week of business? No. Why can't I use it for another 100, 100 hours of pleasure at this right. spot? Right. Uh, or let someone else use it for that. But that's maximizing your asset as well. Right. Just like what we were talking about before. And so same with boats now. Now you mm-hmm. can get a, a website called Get My Boat. Okay. And you can rent other people's boats. So it's like Turo for boats? Correct. Yeah. Oh. Turo for boats or Airbnb for houses. Right. Right. So you can rent someone else's boat with or without captain. So you can get a boat and a ca- and a captain to drive your boat around. Okay, at reasonable cost. And they have small boats. They have big boats. They have right. big boats that you can rent for five hundred or a thousand dollars an hour. But you can bring all your friends, you know, right, thirty, forty, fifty people, and have a blast and not have to worry about it and not own a boat. Mm-hmm. I'll have to show you a little small business that I was part of for a short period of time before, like when when I was starting real estate. But it was like that. But it was. Turo and a similar thing, but run through, uh, basically just put it together in a platform, but it was cars and boats, but they weren't ours. So it was other people that didn't necessarily know how or want to do it themselves, basically consigned the boats to the same thing, yachts, boats, whatever, through that, as well as other people's cars. So then you're renting other people's cars for money and they get a piece and you get a piece. There's just so many ways If people look around so many ways. And, and I was going to say this before when you said you, uh, you guys went to paradise point for the pool, right. And, you know, chill by the pool and stuff like that they have. And I, gosh, I wish I remember what it is now. Now there is an app, which is like the Airbnb, but it's for people with pools. So you, people are running their backyard pools. This. I saw this. How I'm crazy like, I saw this on like a, it was on a shark tank. Oh, was that on? It was, was it? On shark tank. Okay. And, um, uh, they didn't buy mm-hmm. the sharks didn't buy. They were like, why would I run and rent my backyard out to a bunch of people that just want to party in my pool? And if I don't have a separate bathroom for them, yeah. now what? They need to come into my house or just go in the pool. What would they say now after COVID when everyone's like running everyone's backyard pool? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess it, I, I don't know how that works. I mean, that makes sense. I, I would do it myself, you know, because my family mm-hmm. But, you know, do you want a bunch of kids in your pool? Because they're probably but if not. Here. They can call you to come build a bathroom, a little yeah. pool house out by their pool. Look at that. Win-win. This is true. Yeah, this is true. I mean, this it, it can be done. It's interesting if you can be creative about it. And if you think there's a demand for something, there's a demand for it. Right. There's right, a demand right. for it. And you can feel that demand. And we're, we're proving this constantly yeah. with websites like Airbnb. Right. Peer Space, Turo, Get My Boat rent my pool, whatever yeah. these are. I mean, these are things that you're now crowdsourcing, you're hacking everything, mm-hmm. right? And hacking should be considered a good word. Right. Let's hack things. Right. Let's hack your backyard. Right. Let's hack your garage. Let's hack the airspace above your garage. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not using these places to generate wealth for your, yourself or your family, I mean, you're thinking short-sighted. Very much You're so. thinking short-sighted. And, and, and we have a long life ahead of us, right? We do. Whether you're 30 or you're 60, You've got a lot of years left and mm-hmm. might as well make advantage of it because if I can say that you can build one of these things and net $1,000 a month, mm-hmm. how could you afford not to do it? Right. Who doesn't want an extra right. thousand dollars? And on top of that, increasing value of your home if you did sell. Eventually when you're done with it, you want to sell it. Like what you said, the X factor of what things cost and you're like in PB, what did you say? 700 a square foot? Oh, minimum. Well yeah. Yeah. Minimum, right? Yeah. So what can you build there? Like, And let's just say mm-hmm. moderate range, two to 250. A square foot? It's economy of scales. Uh-huh. If you big, build a bigger thing, sure, it's two to two fifty. Uh-huh. If you build a smaller thing, it's three to three fifty. Is that a lot 
towards the fact of like, uh, no matter how many bedrooms you have, you're going to have a kitchen and a bathroom. Correct. Because that's where the money is, correct? Exactly right. Yeah. Because, you know, no matter the size, so we're talking price per square foot. Mm -hmm. So if you ballpark $300 a square foot, that's a good ballpark, mm -hmm. right? We do garage conversions at about $100,000. And the garages are around 400 to 430 square feet, roughly, okay. an average two-car garage. And that costs about 100000 because when if you go to our website, you'll see you have to saw cut the, the floor, right? Even if right. you have a concrete pad there, mm -hmm. it may or may not be suitable for habitation. Right. Maybe it's not sloped the right way. Right. Maybe it's not strong enough to accommodate all the drywall and the furniture you put on there. You don't want that breaking underneath mm -hmm. you. So you got to do it right. So we make sure that it's the proper way, but you're saw cutting that for sewer lines, mm -hmm. right? And you might need to bring in a gas line or electric line and stuff like that. So you're cutting through this stuff putting the, the pipe plumbing in there and then pouring concrete over it, right? But that's expensive. Right. Same with an HVAC system. No matter if it's 400 square feet or 1,200 square feet, you got to put in an HVAC system, right? You need a right. furnace and an AC. You need a kitchen with all the plumbing that goes along with that, right? You probably want a washer and dryer. You probably want a bathroom. Mm -hmm. You probably want a roof. You probably want windows. You probably need insulation and all the interior doors and walls and floors and stuff like that. So, right. yeah, it's more expensive. The, right. the smaller it is, in a price per square foot. I mean, that's something too, in our businesses, we get to explain to people when they're purchasing houses or when they're selling houses more often, it's like, well, mine's a four bedroom, that's a three bedroom. But that bedroom costs not so much to build. You know what I mean? Like if the same bath, same kitchen, same amenities, same Yeah, bedrooms same style. are cheap. Yeah. Kitchens are expensive, right? Right. A bedroom is, you know, a four walls, a, a window, a door, and a closet. Yeah. But a kitchen's of cabinets and countertops and tiles, plumbing, and sinks and sinks appliances, yeah, venting and lighting and HGFCIs and et cetera, right. et cetera. I mean, those are pricey, right? Absolutely, and that's that's the difference. So yeah, so there's an economy of scale to build bigger. So uh, the smaller units, you know, even a small unit could be two hundred thousand dollars, right? Right. Versus the biggest units we build are twelve hundred square feet. Mm -hmm. Those end up being three hundred thousand, so mm -hmm. it's quite a bit less, especially if you build a garage because garages are cheap. Right. You don't even need drywall, right? right? You put in some floors and some, and no some framing cares. and uh, it's a garage. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so garages are cheap. So if you add that into the mix, the price per square foot can drop below 200 a foot. Right. Right. Uh, and, and that's something not to be overlooked as well. You know, adding a garage with, you know, when you're adding something else, because a lot of people prefer So that, that factor of giving something that, that cost averages your construction but gives a, it's another give to potential renters or sure. buyers. Secure storage, a nice place to keep your mm -hmm. car free from, you know, uh, the dust that accumulates overnight. Mm -hmm. I, I'm seeing the same thing. I've, I had a, I have a two car garage in my place and half of it is uh, strollers and bikes. Right. And I forced space for my car to park because now I, I got a place to, you don't have to clean car. as much. You I don't got, have to clean as much. Right. And, that, and that's, that saves money too. That saves money, and uh, you know, I, I make my kids wash my cars. Oh, fair enough. I uh, I put my kids to work uh, early. Uh, you know, it's a funny side story. Just yesterday, my son, who's five and a half years old, looked at me and said, "Are we rich?" And I said, "You're broke. <laughs> you're broke. We're not anything." Yeah, you're broke. <laughs> and as long as I'm working, yeah, I'm not rich. Right, right. Yeah, by no means. Right. But, you know, we live in a nice house. We have a nice yeah. car. You can go to vacation. I was like, but listen, I, I would define rich people as people that don't have to work. Right. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's a good assessment. Yeah. Uh, every day I work hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm putting in my 40 to 60 hours a week mm -hmm. um, because I got bills to pay. Mm -hmm. And until I don't have to work to pay my bills, I'd say I'm not rich. And I told him, I was like, even if I one day become rich, guess what? 
you're not rich. You're not rich. <laughs> I think that's a huge point. <laughs> you're not rich. You're not getting any of my money. I'm going to teach you how to work hard right? and invest smart. Yeah. And I'll help you. But until you work hard to the point where you don't have to pay your own bills. Right. You're not rich either. He'll be rich in uh, the the exposure of to course. knowing how to work for. I'm going to invest a humongous amount of invaluable human capital into mm-hmm. him, so he can get a jump. But that start is invaluable, like yeah. you said, that is invaluable. That's invaluable. Right? It is. Yeah. So be able to to, to have someone that can help you because uh, my parents weren't as helpful at that. Mm-hmm. They were like, work hard, become a computer scientist, and, and yeah, maybe if I was Mark Zuckerberg, I would have been okay. Right. Right. I don't. I don't know what the odds are of me becoming a computer scientist and becoming Mark Zuckerberg. Sure. 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 Um, but. Uh, the 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 points made is now that I'm 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 now understanding how to be smart with my time and my money. Right, right, it, and, and that means doing things that you could do once, sure, and potentially earn revenue indefinitely. Right, right, right. and I, I I don't know if we talked about this, but I've heard you know if you're going to do it twice, if it's something you have to do twice, you should have a system for it. Right, like hmm. if it's a, uh, that I wasn't us. About that, okay, no, yeah, because and because that kind of hits too. So anytime that's kind of. Uh, I like simple little rules. So those stick to my head, you know? And so if I'm doing something like I'm, I'm doing it one time because something pops up in work or whatever, and I do it, if that gets asked of me, or if that comes up again, the second time, I'm like, oh man. And I look at that as my penance. Well, I should have thought ahead that I'm going to have to do this again. So right. if I do it the second time, then there's, there needs to be a system behind it. Yeah. Right. So sure. you don't have to repeat it every no, time. No, I see this happening with my accounting department, right? Uh-huh. It's like, we're going to create rules and systems and you send it here and the invoice automatically classifies. And now you don't have to manually enter this minor expense for printer paper that you just bought. Perfect. Yeah. Because that is such a waste. Yeah, it's a waste of time. <laughs> it's a yeah. waste. It's not worth one minute of my time to input the $5 mm-hmm. in printer paper I just bought. Well, and then, and as you just said a minute ago, invaluable time to your kids. Like if you're, if you're spending time, whether it's running around the park or teaching your kids something, that's invaluable time. And time you spend inputting printer paper, and <laughs> you're, that's, that's time away from your family. Yeah. You know, and, and I think right. that that's a, a different way to look at things too, is like you don't get that time back. Well, this is a, a basic econ 101 concept called opportunity cost, mm-hmm. right? Anytime you spend doing something that isn't generating you money is costing you money. Right. It's costing money. So I, I try to focus my day around how can I maximize my day around doing activities that generate me money. Right. Right. And, that's and, and not at a selfish point. No. But just as a, a business professional goal. Well, and as a family guy too. Right. I'll, do, yeah. Do you know? My opportunity cost is losing time with my kids and my wife. Absolutely. To, to earn money so I can pay my bills because I'm not rich. Right. Right. And your son's definitely not rich. And my son's definitely not rich. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, we opened a bank account for him already. He's got $71 in there. Okay. He's getting there. Which he understands. And he's starting to understand money. Even my three-year-old this morning, I, I was, was sitting with her when she understood that 100 was more than one. I was like, excellent. Um, there you go. I'm there glad you that go. you understand that at three years old. Right. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's huge. Now now your son's going to be like surpassing. He's going to like bypass me, just like totally like go by me probably oh, by the time I, he's no, I, I 15. Love, I love hearing the stories of those. those I, I can't remember the kid's name, but I remember reading a book and he was like 12 or 13 years old mm-hmm. when he figured out that he could sell his sister's baby babies on eBay. <laughs> that's now, awesome. Now he's I hear that. Yeah. And, and like by Brilliant. the time he was like 16, 17 years old, he had multiple uh, online platforms retailing all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. but he made his first million selling Beanie Babies. That's crazy. From his sister, because he found out how to do this, mm-hmm. figured it out and set it up and got going yeah. as a kid. That's, an, that's and, insane. And, and so it just shows you that if you if you know what you're doing, if you're trained properly, right, 
And if you can get the right advice, yeah, sky's the limit. There's it, no, it there's really no age limit on this. Oh no, 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 no. You don't, you don't have to be 40 to become successful. Uh, no, no. And, yeah. and sometimes I think you're at a disadvantage if that's when you decide to start, Yeah, you know, because you've got to unlearn some shit before you can learn some shit sometimes. Well, people, people often do this, right? And I, and, I, and it took me up until maybe 10 years ago where I understood that you shouldn't trade your time for income. Right. As soon as you figure that out and then you start to how to hack your life, mm-hmm. hack your own life. So how can you do something once they so can keep generating income? I mean, right. we know this with our brokerage now. Right. Oh yeah. We know this with our brokerage now is that you can get someone to join us and potentially earn revenue indefinitely. Right. Right. Um, and it's the same with real estate. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with if you can rent your boat out mm-hmm. or if you can rent your car out. Right. I bought a, I bought a nice car and I was like, crap, if I rent, if I rent out my car in Turo for four days, right. that pays my entire cost of owning my car. Yeah. I don't do it, but right. I was like, now I know I could. Right. If I wanted to if rent it out for two to. weekends. If you wanted to, if, if you're going to be gone. Rent it out for two weekends. Someone right. will pay me $200 mm-hmm. a night to rent my car because mm-hmm. I have a nice car. Right. And uh, it is a nice car. I saw when you pulled up, I was like, <laughs> a little bit jealous because year before last, like in December, so that was what, like not 1918, I put a deposit on a Tesla okay. and I was so torn because but I'm like, oh man, I just like, like the idea. Like, I love the tech. I just, it's such a comfortable ride and I would and drive a lot, right? I'm, I'm coming and going a lot. Yeah. And then I took a ride with one of my friends. We went to Vegas. We went to a, uh, like this convention thing in Vegas and just hang out and stuff. He's like, hey, you wanna, let's take my Tesla and, and, and drive it. And I'm like, oh, perfect. So that way I get to experience yeah, that. Yeah. But the thing was for me then, and now I look back and I was like, it wouldn't have been as big a deal because of the areas I live. You know, I could easily put a charger here and yeah. solar and whatever. But at the time that wasn't, you know, it wasn't there. I was still messing with one of my rentals. But when we drove, we had to stop so many times because we, it, you know, you weren't driving the optimal speed. Yeah. Okay. That, that can be changed. You could fix that. Yeah. And if you're headwind, there's so many factors that took that 300 miles per, you know, charge down. And then if you don't sit long enough to charge, it wasn't that I was just like, after that trip, I'm like, I, I just can't, I, I can't, I'm not yeah. ready now. And now looking back, I'm going, you know, it would have been totally different because the amount of times that I would have been to the point where that wasn't going to work for me in a, in a single day, you know, like leaving in the morning, it would be maybe twice a year where I would have to consider like building some time in to charge my car. Exactly. Right. So I bought a, a used model t- Tesla X mm-hmm. and, um, I love I, that by the way, like, and I, and I bought it directly from the, uh, Tesla certified pre-owned. Okay. I picked it up from Colorado. Uh huh. Me and my dad flew out there for dirt cheap. Cause I'm a budget, budget conscious man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had my dad come with me just to be an accompaniment on my drive and have a really nice father-son mm-hmm. you know, road trip. And uh, is your dad in uh, San Diego? Also? Yep, I moved oh. him out here a couple of years ago. I nice. got him a nice house. And nice. Uh, so uh, we grew up in Michigan, but I got him out his dream house, which is small, mm-hmm. uh, with a lot big enough for some uh, plants. And, uh-huh. uh, and, and he likes to garden. And no winters like Michigan. No winters like Michigan. He's got views to the ocean. Oh, man. And he's got at least 50 plus exotic plants for vegetables and fruits on his plant uh, on his yard that he can't grow so anyways i got i got tickets for us for 60 dollars total 30 dollars yeah. each 28 dollars each it was 56 dollars on frontier we flew to colorado we uh, took an uber to the the tesla dealership i picked up my used tesla with almost fifty thousand miles on it right certified pre-owned with a warranty with the full self-drive uh upgrade mm-hmm. which just got loaded up last week into my car over the air 
So now I have full really? self-drive, stop signs, stop lights, pedestrians. Oh, so have you tried my, it out yet? Yeah. I don't like it around the neighborhood as much, mm-hmm. but on highways, it's flawless. Good. Like when I'm on a highway, I'm not paying attention mm-hmm. uh, much to the chagrin of the police. But for everyone else, like I'm doing my emails, I'm working. So the, in the gained productivity that I get right. on highway driving, it's right. incredible. But yeah, we had to stop there, you know, like every one to two hours. You're right. Yeah. I had to stop quite frequently. So um, it should have been 11 hours if I went nonstop. Sure. 11 to 12 hours from Colorado. But it took me pretty much two days of driving uh-huh. nonstop with a break, you know, maybe eight hours the first day and 12 hours the second. So maybe it took right. me 20, to 20 hours. Mm-hmm. But every break, I got a break, I'd park the car, I'd plug it in. I'd go get a food, yeah. I'd go get some coffee. It'd be 20, 30 minutes and that'd be enough. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. That'd be enough. I'd yeah. stretch my legs. Maybe I'd yeah. do a lunge or two. And then I'm like, all right, good. Let's get mm-hmm. back in the car, hit the self-drive and just cruise down the right. highway, listen to a podcast, listen to this book on tape. And so I just took it easier. So if you're in a rush for cross-country trips, mm-hmm. it's, if you're doing the cannonball run, it's mm-hmm. not the car for you. Yeah. But since I've owned it since March, I've only once not charged it at home. Oh, wow. Okay. And that was because I, I went a trip up to LA okay. and back, and then I had stopped at San Juan Capistrano and for 15 minutes, for... got lunch. It was charged, charged up. It yeah. cost me like a few bucks. Um, and so I've, I've never had to have range anxiety. See, uh, now I kind of regret because at the time I, I just happened to have a couple deals in Riverside County and I was here. So I was driving back in and, and that's not, I mean, it's freeway, but it's not the same. You know what I mean? So that's like, you're going, you're going, you're going, you're yeah. going. And had it been any other month other than when I would happen to be in that situation, I probably wouldn't thought twice about it. And I would have been totally happy the whole time. I would argue that the gained productivity that you can get from using self-driving in the highway offsets the time that you waste charging it on a long-term I, drive. I, w- I would agree with that too, because after the fact, another time I traded with a friend so they could have the uh, space for my, they want, they, need to load some more stuff. I'm like, okay, trade for a day. And he had the Model S. And I was, I mean, the fact of being able to, something pops up and it's like, hey, can you doctor sign this really quick? Yeah, let me just pull my laptop up beside me and log in and yeah. DocuSign and go, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. You know, the timing just didn't work where, where it's like, well, you're, right you're, when I was you're doing something, the, was We're weird. at the nascent uh, beginning of this huge amount of awesome electric yeah, vehicles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the Rivians. And the Nicolas and these other companies. I put a deposit on the Nicola. Okay. And we'll see what happens. Yeah, because because I want to, I honestly, what I wanted, if I weren't doing the job I was doing like now, and hopefully I will be do less of the showing or driving around soon. I I just want like a Tacoma sized truck. That's, that's what I'm, I love it. And so, yeah, I put a deposit on Nicola. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) I I saw that hit my email. It's tempting. Yeah. Since I was a kid, my, my dream car was a Dodge Ram pickup. Okay. When I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. When they first come out, then the new the, 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 the rounded. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that was like a '96 or something, something like that. Like that. that. Yeah, it was. That's when I was like, oh, I love these things. Oh, and I never had a pickup truck. And and uh, uh, to be candid, I've never needed right. a pickup truck. No one needs them usually, but it's <laughs> <laughs> it's cool to have because they're huge. But now that I'm in PB and I have like a small driveway, yeah, a small yeah, yeah. garage, and small parking, and uh, you know my Model X fits nicely because I can fit seven people. Right. Because I got five. There's in a my... ton of room in the Model X. It's enough, you know. Like I can throw everything in, and um, it, it just makes it easy. It's it's not. It might not be my forever car, but it's been my great foray into this, and it's been mm-hmm. easy to to own. And it is the first thing that I've loved. I'll admit that. Wow. That's amazing. I have so emotion- your first I, object you're emotionally yeah, I, attached to. I have to. an emotional response to my vehicle. Uh, do we have a name? Uh, yeah. Uh, her name is Diversity. 
Okay. <laughs> I love it. Because when I first got it, I had uh, like a suspension problem with it, mm-hmm. and it creaked like an old wooden ship, <laughs> which just reminds me of the Anchorman reference. Right. Yeah. Of when they thought diversity was an old wooden ship. <laughs> <laughs> so I still named it well my, boat, my boat diversity. Plus, it just it, I thought it was appropriate for my family because I've got a very diverse family. Right. Um, with me being Indian and my wife being Polish, Irish, and my au pair being Moroccan, Italian. Right. And, and just, I have this huge influx of like just a diverse uh, network that's right. always with me and around me and stuff like that. But so. that's, how awesome is that for, for your kids to grow up around, you know? They don't Such know anything exposure. different. Yeah, they but don't that's, yeah, that's yeah. perfect. Yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting because I don't think they know discrimination mm-hmm. at the age they're at. And so they just see people like, you know, one of my best friends is African-American. He's black. He's a black dude. He's mm-hmm. six, six and he's tall. And they just think he's our family member. He, right. They call him uncle. You right. Know, and right. They right. just think he's my uncle. You know, right. he's, he's part of our family. So yeah, they get to experience that, which is nice because ideally that's how it should be. You know, ideally uh, you, sh- you should have uh, an extended family of your friends that are of every color. They shouldn't mm-hmm. just look like you. Right. Right. Uh, because that's the world we live in. Oh now. man, if everyone looked like me, that'd be so sad. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be a rough place. <laughs> my, my wife jokes that she can't tell apart white guys. <laughs> right. White. right. And right. I was like, I can't tell apart a, a lot of white people. Like, right. You know, until I get to know them a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, that's the case. I mean, everyone has this kind of pseudo racism mm. towards anyone. You know, like, yeah. you know, Asians get it the most, right? Uh-huh. Oh, I can't tell Asian people apart. Right, right. It's because you haven't spent enough time with them. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you get, you haven't spent enough time to notice their distinguishing differences. It's like when you have best friends that are twins. Right. After some time, you could tell them apart pretty right. quickly. No, 100%. Yeah, no matter what race they are. I see that it, because I lived in Japan for a few years. It's, it's sometimes like a friend's like, oh, my my friend so-and-so, uh, I think she's Chinese. And I'm like, oh, she's Vietnamese. Because when you, again, it's just exposure. It's not because I'm smarter than You've got anything. It's just like, oh, no, 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 that's, like, yeah. You know and and, it, and again, it doesn't even matter. And I think that, uh, I think on another episode, and I, I don't I don't pay attention to how they come out and what they're numbered and stuff. I just enjoy the conversation that I, I'm fortunate enough to have with people. But people, if they travel, I mean, and again, a lot of people do, but I think the more you travel, the more you're exposed to the less you even think about anything like that. So when sometimes when some of the issues pop up, I'm probably guilty of not even thinking of it because I'm like, why is that an issue? Why? Because I don't think like that. I've, I've now shifted my mindset over the last few years. And now I'm getting to the point where I, let me just do like a finger. Okay. You're talking about your drink, by the way. Yeah. This is a, a, finger, so a, finger, a finger of drink. There you go. Even though my car drives itself, I should still be smoking. There you sober. go. For sure you should be able to create common ground with anyone. That's mm-hmm. what I found. If I ask the right questions and I have the right conversations, guess what? We both like laughing. Yeah. We both like eating. We both love our family. Mm-hmm. We both love sports. We both love, you know, entertainment. I mean, you can get common ground with anyone. Right. And and, and I think, um, you know, in this divisive time, one of the key things that that I like to tell people is that you've got more in common with people than you've got different than them. Right. Right. It's true. hundred percent true. You've got more in common. And, and the powers that be want it, to really um, focus on the differences and divide us. It's, it's unnecessary because mm-hmm. we're more similar than we are different. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We really are. We really are. And, and I feel like sometimes we struggle with that here more so than other. You know, when I travel to other places, I, I mean, you still see it. Like if people will look at all of us a little bit. Everywhere has something. You of know, course, of course. I mean, it's risky going abroad and saying yeah. you're American. Yeah. You know what's safer? 
We're say from you're San Canadian. <laughs> Canadian. <laughs> Canadian is my third go-to. Right, First, right. I say I'm, sa- I'm from San Diego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, San Diego oh. Baywatch. Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> they know that. You know, if they don't know that, they know California. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. If for some reason, That's they don't know California. Then you say you're Canadian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if they don't know that, when you just leave, yeah. you just back out slowly. Yeah, got it. Well, I'm from a place where the people are really nice and we'd love to meet you. Yeah, exactly. Come on over. <laughs> but we need your tourist dollars too, because our taxes are killing us. So please yeah. come spend some money. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah. The uh, Well, so where were we at? We, we've been talking about ADUs and investments and, and how important it is to really get involved in mm-hmm. real estate. Mm-hmm. Really get, really get pre-approved, really understand what you're getting into, because this is that passive mailbox money that you're getting. Right. Because when you own property... Even if you're not earning income on it, you're getting appreciation. You are. You're earning equity just sitting there living in the house. You are. And, and one, uh, an analogy I use with someone, because like, you know I work with a lot of VA, VA clients, like VA loans, right? And sometimes uh, what comes up, because they, and I understand the concern, if they're worried if they have to transfer in a year. What if something pops up and I have to transfer in a year? Good and news. And they put no money down. And I'm like, so you're renting it. And and we're talking no money down, zero money, right? I mean, and- VA loans are what right now? Two seven five or something like that. Less, less than two point yeah, seven five percent. Two seven five. They get they hit as low as two and a quarter. Some, something close to almost free money. It's basically yeah, paying you to take the money from them. Yeah, you know, after the deductions and stuff, especially if you end up running anything and doing a multifamily, because that's something people don't realize. Like, hey, you can do the VA loan. You can move into one unit of two, three, or four. You can buy up to four units with the VA loan, right? You mentioned it earlier. I just told you that example. Uh, exactly. I, I know a couple that just uh, in in San Diego, in PB, in mm-hmm. Pacific Beach, less than two months from the beach, mm-hmm. bought a four unit, a three bedroom house for their family. Right. And then in the backyard had a multi unit, a yeah. three unit. Two of them were two bedrooms and one was a one bedroom. Right. And they all needed some upgrading. But this gentleman and his wife bought the whole place for $2 million, $1.999 million. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100% financed by the yeah. VA at 2.75%. And, and I bet after renting, they maybe pay a quarter of their mortgage. No, for this. this is not even hacking, huh? to the extreme. And so that's something. So if you're a military veteran, it previously was you had a, a loan limit, right? You could yeah. pay like 700000 yeah. It was like whatever the standard limit was, yeah. the standard loan was and conforming then they, loan. And then they do like 50% above that. Well, you know, it doesn't matter because that's mm-hmm. not relevant anymore because mm-hmm. now you can get 100%. Mm-hmm. Even in San Diego prices, so uh, you know, shameless self promotion. Mm-hmm. I've got a nice two unit in Coronado, uh-huh. right on the way to the naval base. It's a three bedroom, three bath, fully renovated luxury front house, uh-huh. and a two bedroom, one bath, ADU above the garage. Okay, that has awesome views of downtown. Okay, and those would rent for a premium. Wait, is that going up for? It's live right now. We're going to turn this off now so I can just <laughs> you want this make house? this work. <laughs> it's, uh, a, it's a beautiful house. And I was talking to the realtor that helped me get the property. And it's a win, 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 win. Yeah. You know, the, the guy that's looking at buying it right now is buying it for his kids because oh he's like, it's such a good investment yeah. that I know it's going to work. He's right. like, I can have my kids move into the primary house or the guest house, mm-hmm. rent out the other for X thousands of dollars because it's in Coronado. Right. Right. It's super premium part of San Diego. Yeah. You, you just can't walk on there. You're like they, they charge you to walk on, or they used to actually charge you to drive onto the island. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming the, the Coastal town. Commission got rid of that. Yeah, eventually. 
Yeah, but it's a beautiful place. Me and my wife eloped there. We had our anniversary there. Oh, we, nice. You know, we, uh, and so the Coronado Beach is one of the most beautiful in the world. Mm-hmm. Great amenities, super flat. You could bike or golf cart around. Uh, which once people move there, they pretty much sell their cars and get golf carts and never leave the island. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's a great place to it be. Is. And so, yeah, this just hit the market. And so now we're, we're waiting to find the right buyer on this thing at, nice. at 300G Avenue. Okay. Okay. So nice house. I'm, I'm excited about it because someone's going to be very happy about it. Yeah. I mean, I, and that's usually what I find is that we do our houses real nice with our mm-hmm. construction company. They, they come out really good and uh, people come in and have a place they can move into and they don't have to mess with anything. Right. Yeah. I upgraded the roof. I did all new windows. We've got new plumbing and electrical and appliances mm-hmm. and counters. Move in. Don't do any repairs for 15 years. And, and, and I'll say, I've got to say this, there's a difference between what you do and and a few other companies i'm not saying you know there's a there's a few people but there are a lot of companies that really i mean because properties are so expensive here they can come in paint some you know throw in some some generic fixtures and and sell it for the profit but there is a difference and yeah i mean we're, we're licensed and so we not only have a reputation at stake, mm-hmm. but we have a license at stake. But you're in it for the long term as well. You know what I mean? San Diego is such a small town. It is. Smallest big town in the world. It's a small big town. And I would agree that's not six degrees of separation. It's two degrees. I would say everyone in San Diego is two degrees of separation. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we don't do right by someone, everyone finds out. It's true. It's true. And so all we can do is do right by everyone. Right. So everyone finds out that that's the case. Yeah. But that's a a great way to look at your business as well, because I know, you know, you do quality stuff. So people don't have to worry about once they get into it, you know, they know what they've got and they, you know, can go forth and and make their money, make that profit. Yeah. Or or, Or just just be comfortable, be comfortable in their home. Live and enjoy and know that they didn't, you know, that when their inspector came through and says, this is the best quote unquote flip we've ever Mm -hmm. seen. And that's why I have to call my properties investor remodels. Right, right. right. I think that's a good idea too, because it's a, there is a different flip. Definitely gets that connotation. And for a reason, you know, here uh, of like, yeah, people come in, clean it up and and throw it back on the market. But um, you guys really do get in and renovate and put the right things in the right places, make sure it makes sense. Well, I mean, I, I, I sold the house recently just last month and actually the buyer was a Navy SEAL. Okay. And it had to do a foundation repair. But with that foundation repair, I got an engineer. Mm-hmm. I paid him a bunch of money. I got a specialist foundation repair person, paid him a bunch of money. Right. Got it done right. Got it warrantied. Got a, like a five-year warranty on the foundation that it was done right, that we fixed the drainage that caused the problem. Right. And then as a result, no buyers were scared. Yeah. No buyers were scared. You know, it wasn't like we tried to hide yeah. the foundation repair. Because, you know, the reality is that in San Diego, I don't, I don't know about real estate markets everywhere else because I've mm-hmm. only sold real estate in San Diego. We have a lot of foundation issues. We do. We have, I, I would guess at least 25, 30% of properties mm-hmm. have foundation issues of some. In some areas, way more higher percent. Some areas are way more than that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Spring Valley, Vista have a lot mm-hmm. of foundation issues. Yeah. Right. And it's because of the soils and the water and the clay and the soil and stuff like that. The, uh, uh, but doing it right makes the difference. Yeah. And having the paperwork to prove it and the mm-hmm. professionals that will vouch for it that, hey, we did it the right way. Right makes everyone comfortable especially yeah. someone as diligent as a new navy seal because right. he was diligent about it yeah he was he was yeah. like oh, i'm gonna make sure this is done right and he, he, he's yeah. earning his money he just don't want to just throw it out there yeah right? for sure because last thing i want to do is sell him an asset that's not going to mm-hmm. sell for the same or more than he bought it for because he's got some kind of 
functional deficiency to right. the property. That's right. not even happen. Right. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't want to put my name on it because there's only one Hennish in San Diego. Yeah. And so I haven't met another. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't risk the reputational harm because I no. plan to live here for the rest of my life. Right. But that's a big difference between your business and a lot of others too, is like you said, for the long haul and then karma comes back. And, and if you don't, if you make a lot less money on this one deal, because you did it right and treated the client right, it's still going to come back 10 times more. You yes. know, they're, they're going to sit there and be like, Hey, send this guy. They're going to send people to you because you didn't try to make, you know, it's, it's, it really, it's as simple as the whole like shear a sheep type deal. You know, yeah. that saying like you shear a sheep, but you can only skin it once. Yeah. It's really kind of the same thing. You just don't, you're not trying to skin people, you know, you just, Hey, you're doing a business, you're, you're in it for profit, but if you've taken on a risk by purchasing something or getting into a project and you make it right and you make less of that, people will recognize that, you yeah. know, they will recognize that you did the, did right by them and more business is going to No, true. I mean, it, it, it comes through when the real estate agent talks to the inspector and the inspector says, this is the best flip I've ever seen. Right. And then that's what, what really started our construction company a few years ago mm -hmm. was that people kept calling us for remodels. Right. Instead of just for flipping houses. Right. That's something too, like, I want to throw that out there. Your experience in real estate isn't just in this construction side, right? I've probably sold 2,500 to 3,000 homes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've sold a lot of homes. And so right now I'm, I'm going through negotiations on a, a property we just listed. We got 14 offers, uh -huh. all of them, not one, not, yeah. not two, all of them were over list price. But I, I, I kind of set a price for it. I thought it'd sell for about 525. Mm -hmm. So what's the right price to set it at? Uh, well, for that one, I'd probably go four ninety nine, one hundred percent. Yeah, because right. Jay yeah, knows right. what he's talking about. Yeah, too. because it's yeah. in that bracket, twenty five thousand bracket. Of... Exactly right. So uh, I said it at four ninety nine. And of course, every single offer came in at five hundred or offer, yeah, or, or higher. Um, and so, you know, a key difference between a good realtor and a bad realtor is that I'll take the time to call every agent, understand what their buyers wanting to do, right, and not jerk people around. Yeah. So for of the 14 offers, 11, we just rejected off. Right. Yeah. I'm like, hey, sorry. Why waste anyone's time? Yeah, please continue looking because this isn't going to be a good fit for your sure. buyer. I got three other buyers that are have better qualifications. And so, but then I have the conversations and those agents will take that call mm -hmm. because they want to do right by their client too. Mm -hmm. And so not only am I advising them of what my client wants, I'm also trying to coach them and create rapport with them on how they can talk to their client about whether this is a good fit for them. Right, right, right and then make make it happen so it's a win-win well some people don't recognize too that, that kind of the rapport with other agents is how we win for our clients as well you know if you have other people that trust you when it comes up and you pop up and this person's like oh yeah we're gonna go talk to this and, and if he says this is the price it is or this is what they need people when you build that trust i mean it just goes so far right when people know that you're reputable and that you're an honest person that yeah for sure you don't have to way. prove yourself anymore no yeah now they they know because it because like your reputation proceeds right at that point and so yeah. that's important i mean for you for me for anyone that's in this career for a long time mm -hmm. because it's a small small community in san diego it really is yeah oh my god it's so small and like you said before the the what did you say the larger or smallest big city smallest big city yeah that's, that's really that's what you said yeah but it's I, so true I, i'm finding that's the it's case so true, it's, it's i'm finding that's the case and, and we have to work with each other and you know it's better to get along it is it is it's better to get along it is i i wanted to ask you one more thing kind of on that adu side and something you'd brought up before real quick just so people have that exposure to it 
you did bring up before the difference between, or I'm sorry, when I say before, I mean in a different conversation we'd had, the difference between ADU and a guest house? Yeah, guest house, guest quarters. And so um, the key difference is relevant in coastal. Right. So if you're, which is huge, if you're under the purview of the Coastal Commission, and it's interesting you ask this, Jay, because just earlier this week is when I got confirmation from the city planning department mm-hmm. that yes, they will approve coastal, uh, they will approve guest quarters in the coastal area, which will avoid Coastal Commission review. Oh, that is big. And so that means that pro- the difference with an ADU is that. In ADU in the coastal area, which is a lot of the areas west of the five, right? there's a map that you can look up. So if you need to worry, if, if you're in the coastal area, if you're west of the five, you can look up Coastal Commission GIS studies, mm-hmm. and you'll find a detailed map. Mm-hmm. And you can be in the right wrong, right side of the street or the wrong side. Right. But building an ADU involves fifteen dollars to $17,000 in extra fees to the Coastal Commission and up to a year in waiting time. Whereas guest quarters don't go through coastal. You're technically not supposed to rent it out. You're technically not supposed to get an actual uh, extra address. And you're you're not supposed to have a kitchen over 10 feet long on a counter space. But we just got written approval from the city that they will now approve those. You can't beat the 10-foot kitchen, right? Yeah. But because the demand for housing is so severe right now, that they'll approve those and they'll let them slide because we need housing. And th- that should be a clue to anyone who is renting that doesn't have to that the need is not going away. Yeah. You know, there's money to be made by what you can when you can and, you know, make the money off of it. So that's huge. But but that's a huge thing with Coastal Commission because that has been a huge pain in the ass for so many people Yeah, for so long. I'm sure pain ass to you as well. Yeah, so the, we know with the Coastal, it's interesting because there's actually laws in place to make it where ADUs in the future can avoid coastal. Okay. So the things we've been talking about with our architects and with the planning department is that let's get them approved as guest quarters. Mm -hmm. And then when that law gets passed, we'll retrofit them to a full ADU if we need to, if we need to. Um, But in the meantime, let's just get them done as guest quarters because that'll save you a year and 15 plus thousand dollars. Right. And so now we're seeing that because we just got an ADU approved on Law Street and Bayard, uh, which is pretty close to the the ocean in PB. But it took almost a year to get it approved oh, through wow. Coastal. And it cost them $13,000 for a 560 a square foot ADU. Mm-hmm. But it got it all done right. The client you know, wanted it done right, which I appreciate. you know. Sure. But now we know that we can get these done as guest quarters. Mm-hmm. It's in the gray area. I would say mostly dark gray. <laughs> dark gray. <laughs> dark gray area. But still. <laughs> still in the gray area. Still slightly less than black. But it'll get the job done. Right. You can rent it out. You have a full legal unit mm-hmm. that's allowed, and no one's gonna, you know, bust your chops on whether you should have it or if it was permitted. And my 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 neighbor is a retired contractor. He's building one for the exact reason. He just got it approved as guest quarters. Okay. It took two months okay. as opposed to fourteen. Oh wow! Right, and he that's also huge. saved fifteen thousand dollars in coastal commission. So. If you're the coast, that's important. For everyone else, just build an ADU. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you haven't built an ADU, look into building an ADU. If right. you can't find it's an ADU, I'm actually working on a fund. Okay. To fund yeah, let's, every, yeah, let's, yeah to, to, to pay for people's ADUs and refinance me out later. Mm-hmm. I'll pay to get it built for you. Right. I'll pay to build your ADU and we'll refinance it later because it's that compelling. It's that strong of a value that I'm not concerned about it being a bad asset. And you're providing housing for people because we need housing. This is a win, 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 win. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, mean, I want I want people to live in San Diego because it's the best place in the world, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. If that means building more ADUs to do so, let's do it. 
Right. We'll solve the traffic problems. We'll right. solve the parking problems. We'll solve the density problems. Those are those are minor issues, but pe- people come first. Right. Let's and and if you're building those ADUs where they live and where they work, then that's even better because now they can get affordable housing close enough to work, and you don't have to drive from. I mean, we've got people driving t- from Temecula, Marietta, that's you know, which is like our our. 30 away and that's without the crazy traffic let's 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 solve the infrastructure problems and make it more bike friendly yes let's make it where i can ride my bike safely to my office two and a half miles away right because that should be a 15 minute commute on a bicycle right it takes me 20 minutes in my car yeah that's insane just because i have busy because i I know where you live and i know where your office is and that that shouldn't be you know just that one intersection at at balboa in mission bay takes forever to get through right right that that's insane, but no, that's good points too. And, and, and like you said, there's just people that have property now and, or buying, utilize your space, you know, utilize it. People always want to invest in real estate. Yeah. Don't do it out of state. Do it in your backyard. Right. Don't invest out of state. Do it in your backyard first. Once you've maxed that out, consider buying another property in San Diego and doing the same thing again. And the returns here and the appreciation just doesn't match. Exactly. I mean, this is this is a topic for another podcast block, mm-hmm. but there's like A, B, and C properties, right? Yeah. A properties appreciate the highest mm-hmm. and have the best return on capital. B properties don't appreciate as much, have decent return on capital. Right. And C properties might have a better cap rate, sure, but don't have any appreciation. Right. Right. When you buy that property in Cleveland, right. you just bought that property in Cleveland. Right. It's only going to be worth $50,000. My, my kind of rule for myself is two possible positive outcomes. So if you know that, hey, that, like I can make rental, I'll have a cap rate. Okay, maybe it won't maximize, but I'll have appreciation too. That's two possible positive outcomes. Maybe that's diversification of that investment as well. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. You know, Hey, if I can have a little bit more cap rate, but it's not going to appreciate, it's not the same. Uh, over the long term, it, it works out really well. So if you can keep that property for 5, 10, 20 years. Yeah. Man, you're sitting on a gold mine. True. Sitting on a gold mine. Please, please use it and uh, don't buy a boat. (laughs) Thanks, man. A little late fourth quarter on that one for me, but I appreciate it nonetheless. (laughs) Well, for everyone else, it's not just for you. Okay, cool, cool. You're not the audience. I'm thinking about myself You're not the audience. thinking about myself. I'm like, where were you on that one, man? (laughs) What happened with that boat? Yeah, uh, we sold it (laughs) before I went to Iraq. How much did you lose? um, I paid to sell it. Uh, I paid money to sell it before I went to Iraq because I didn't think I was get to come back to San Diego. So the most important thing we're going to learn from this podcast is that you shouldn't buy a boat. Yeah, buy real estate, not a boat. Most important, don't buy a boat. Secondly, most important, buy real estate, right? Exactly right. And can you give some contact information for yourself? Yeah, I mean, my website's the easiest way because I like to showcase what I do and I'm easy to get a hold of. But please check out calhomeco.com, which is C-A-L for California. Home as in a home and C-O.com. Perfect. And obviously, if anyone reached out to us, you know, from the podcast webpage or any of that stuff, we will absolutely connect you to Hanish and tons of information. I'll be hitting them up all the time because I, I need to make more money, to be honest. So definitely practice what we preach here. And Hanish, thanks so much, man. Always thanks, tons of it. I mean, you've given me personally tons of information before. Thanks for sharing to everybody else. And yeah, continue to do it, I'm sure. Let's do it. Thank you. Appreciate that. You know, this is a together type thing. I don't want to be the richest man on the planet. That's how Jeff Bezos. So yeah, you're right. You need other people to be able to do fun things with you, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, let's just do this all together because there's a lot of life to live. There really is. And I appreciate that. I appreciate your attitude towards all of it. And thanks so much. Cool. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it.